and welcome back to the Football Fig Nuts podcast. It is season two, it is episode three, and I am Britt. I'm Craig. Craig, we're halfway through our rankings. We've got the running backs done, we've got the quarterbacks done, and now the epic task of figuring out what the hell to do with wide receivers. No one knows. No one knows. So quarterbacks. No one knows. A question mark about bajillion quarterbacks. This guy's coming back from injury. That guy's going to be great. That guy's not going to be great. Tom Brady's older, even though he's got magic pajamas. Running backs, everyone's injured or has an injury possibility. Wide receivers, is this the part where we talk all flowers and sunshine? Is this finally the happy episode? Um, I'm going to go with no because um, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of quarterback changes. So, yeah. Fantastic. So you know what I need? <laughs> what do you I need? I need a beer. You do. You Now you've handed me a glass. I did. What the hell am I about to drink? Uh, we have a special brew from uh, Two Roads. Sponsor us. Yes, please. Um, this beer is actually an ale with honey that they grew, or you don't grow honey, but raised. Cult- cultivate? Cultivate? Cultivated their Maybe? own honey. I don't know. They have their own beehive. Deb, let us know. You're good with words. Hi, Deb. Yeah. Hi, Deb. Uh, so this is an ale with honey. It is seven point six percent. It is a one. It is a craft bottle. So Britt and I kind of split this. He has less than I do. So this is like a pint of beer. Yes, and I have another beer after that. So I'm yes, fine with we that. do have another beer too. Um, yeah, they they do they they in addition to growing their Brie own hops. De, de CT. I think it's I Beer think... de Connecticut. There you go. Beer de CT. Um, in addition to having some of their own hops that they grow on site, and they've worked with Sacred Heart to capture wild yeast on site, they've also have, I think, three beehives on site. Is it on site or is it somewhere else? It's in the very back. Okay, so for those of you who know Two Roads, there's the building, there's what I call the secret parking lot in the back that no one ever uses. Well, it's become more popular now, but back then you could, there's like 30 spaces. There's the one behind it, and then there's the hop yard, right? There's the yep. big green area where they do special events. Yeah. If you walk down the string of hops that grow along the side of the shed, right, and you go all the way to the end, you will find the bees being kept in a backed off area, in a blocked off area. You'll find the beehives. Just you can see them from a distance. I can't think. You, I don't think you can get within like 25, 30 feet of them, and probably a good thing. Yeah, that you probably can't. You shouldn't. But they're there. Um, our friend Jasmine took us down there one time and was like, "Yeah, this is where they grow this. This is where they grow that. This is kind of the area that they don't let people back into." And I'm like, "Great, we're gonna get kicked out of two roads because I like coming here." So, all right. <laughs> so you just took Rick a sip of it. Banned. What's that? The day you get banned. From oh, two roads. oh God, are you kidding me? That's I'm done with the podcast. Then. <laughs> all right. So sip it first. You go ahead. Tell me what you think of it. You're looking right. at, holding up to the light. He's taking a nice big sip. Let's see what Craig thinks. Oh, he's taking a nice sniff of it after he's tasted um, it. The honey is very subtle. But you can detect it? You can taste a little bit of it. Um, it actually, it's a little bit sour. Oh, God. It's a little bit sour. Britt is not a fan of sour beers. I hate sours. See, this is why we need to start the YouTube channel, because what is it about can. to happen no, is going to be visually hysterical, no matter how <laughs> I try to hide it. It's going to be visually hysterical, because I don't handle sours well, so here I go. All right. Brit's, uh, Brit, now, Britt only has a little bit in his glass. It smells like a Saison. It does. It's light. light it's definitely light. There's a lot of light penetration. There's a lot of light penetration. It's almost like, um, I'd say, Bud Light in its darkness. It's, it's very light. All right, here we go. All right. He's taking a swig. And he's swishing it. Eh. Okay, it's not as sour as I thought it was going to be, but All yeah, right. I see what you're saying. Ooh, the honey comes at the end. Yeah. Like right at the very end. Yep. It's like you were having tea with honey in it and you get it like. Yes, like that's coach exactly your, what it like. like coat your throat. So that's it's exactly. a good beer if you're sick. Yeah, I, I think. You know what? We'll, we'll find out. <laughs> I'll, I'll call Ryan and see what his thoughts are. If this is something. Uh, these bottles were numbered. So this bottle is numbered 246. Uh, does it say out of how many? Does it give a, an, an upper end? You know, it does not. Then that means it just kept bottling and numbering until they ran out of space. That's true. So, yeah. All right, I'm going to finish this guy off, and then we're going to get up to wide receivers. Oh, all well, right. no, no, we're not. We're going to talk about burning hot take questions. Yes. Yes, we are. So just so everybody knows, we're going to play this episode a little bit by ear. There is so much to talk about with wide receivers. We may get it done in one episode. We may not. So we may just voluntarily cut it off at 45 minutes wherever we are or at a logical ending point and say, okay, we'll be back and uh, bring you the second half of this. Um, we absolutely, we, we seriously could sit here for two to three hours talk about wideouts. Yeah, is, there's a lot of wide receivers, and you figure on a fantasy team, you're starting at least three. Well, say at least two. Some at flex leagues, there's two in a flex, but right. yes, that, but that could be a wide receiver in the flex. Yeah. You know, and, and the weird thing is there isn't, there's a couple upper echelons. There's a couple tiers in my mind. 
and I do have the consensus rankings right here. But beyond that, there is hodgepodges of groups of guys that you need to know about out there because there's a lot of guys who have a lot of potential to be really good this year. So it's going to be one of those things where we kind of have to keep an eye on it. Excuse me. Okay, so burning hot take questions. Giving okay. or receiving? Uh, I'll give. All right, what do you got for me? All right, this is a quick quick question about receivers. Okay. Do you believe that the third-year receiver, is that his prime breakout year? You know, I, I read somewhere that statistically it's a myth that if you look at third-year receivers in general across the board, there isn't a significant difference between second and third-year output. Um, but yes, I mean, from the eyeball test, which I don't generally follow, it does seem like third year is like the, the time to shine. But yeah, I mean, statistically, it's like, no, it's not statistically significantly no. different from the first two years. The increase is the same. So I don't know. I think the third year thing is the, is kind of out there. Why? Who, who's going into the third year that you got your eyeballs on? You know, I really wasn't sure because just, I just really started looking at receivers today. Um, but while doing that, I was thinking, I didn't look it up yet, like who is I think Michael in Thomas. Third year. Michael Thomas is going into his third year. Is he? Yeah, because he played the first year with Cooks. And then he last did. year, yes, because I drafted him as a rookie, and I've had him for two years in a row. So I'm pretty, I'm reasonably sure Michael Thomas is going into his third year. Uh, ODB is going into his fourth. Yes. So he doesn't count. And he got hurt last year. So, I mean, if you want to say third season where he actually played a little bit, I guess this could be his third season in a manner of speaking. So, I uh, Yeah, so it's uh, you're right, Michael Thomas. Anybody else? Tyreek Hill. Oh, wow, that's and a big one. And then there's a bunch of people that really haven't heard of. Uh, Rob, well, no, I've heard, well, there's Sterling Shepard. Okay. But, uh, Josh Doxson. Yeah, from Washington. Cole, Corey Coleman. Yep. In and Cleveland. Robbie Anderson. Jer- uh, the Jets, yeah. Yep. Chester Rogers. Nah. Yeah, Willie Sneed, really? No, Willie no, Sneed. That's gotta be no. a typo. Uh, but yeah, but then the kind of the rest of the names kind of drop off. Yeah. Okay. But. So, I, I the problem with that the problem with saying any of those guys can ever break out is I think Michael Thomas and Tyreek Hill have already broken out. So I mean, can Tyreek if if third year is always or is usually statistically better than the second year? What the hell are you expecting out of him this year? Like Jerry Rice numbers? Numbers? I mean, probably. You're talking about record breaking, so I, I don't buy it. What do you think? Do you think is there something to the third year thing? Um, I just think the third year you you're finally like in a groove. You finally know what you're doing because when you come in as a rookie, like everything is so different from college. Like I don't expect a lot of out of rookie receivers. Okay. Uh, the second year you're finally getting your footing, so I feel like the third year is when your receiving career takes off now, does quarterback changes factor into that at all do oc changes factor into that at all uh that's definitely a factor i mean think about sterling Shepard. i mean there's been so much change around the giants i mean they had two years for the last two years they had um what's his name <sighs> slick back hair dude they fired mid-season oh yeah. who's that guy yeah, mcadoo ben there McAdoo. you go took me a minute it's been a long day i didn't even tell you this yet but i'm working on four hours sleep Nice. So if I nice. literally fall asleep, if you hear a large thud on the mic, that's probably my head. <laughs> or the cat killed him. Or the cat killed Either way, my head hits the mic, I'm probably done. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Does Sterling Shepard do for a, a, a significant, not even necessarily a breakout, but a significant improvement? Maybe a little bit, but I guess this gets into the whole ranking thing in general. I don't really know what the Giants are going to be like. They now have like a starting stud running back. Yes. How much is that going to change their offense? And that's something we're going to talk about when we get into the rankings and I talk about OBJ. Right. Um, because I think that is going to factor in to um, that that conversation right there. I am having a minor issue with my phone. <laughs> At least he remembered it this time. Please stand by. Last week he forgot it. Yes, which was a nightmare for me. Okay, here we go. All right. Phone issue is our, my phone also serves as our timer. So it's kind of important. <laughs> All right. So okay. question for you. I posted an article yesterday okay. on our excellent good friend, Josh Gordon. Did mm-hmm. you hear the news and or ch- have a chance to check out the article? I read your article last night. Okay, fantastic. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. Uh, we had a nice spike in traffic to the website because I put out the um, article and I shared it with a bunch of industry folks. And my response, to my, what I said to them on Twitter is, Here's an article on Josh Gordon and understanding anxiety issues. It's not really on topic for fantasy football. So if you feel like your audiences would benefit from reading a little something on the background of anxiety, share it. And like instantly like eight 
of our industry friends shared the, the freaking tweet. Nice. So, yeah, so it was nice that people got there. I argue in the article, and you'll hear about it in the rankings, that the news that Josh Gordon does not, he's not going to show up to camp on time, right. does not move the needle for me one way or the other. Is neither a plus nor a minus in my rankings. Right. Does the news that Josh Gordon is going to miss the opening of training camp, but feels he will be ready for opening day, change where you rank him at all? Uh, for the reasons he has, no, it doesn't. My the reason for his position in my ranking is because he's on the Browns. That's fair. <laughs> That's <laughs> nothing fair. to do with what's happening you with know, him right we now. We talk about question marks. There's a lot of question marks around the Browns. They if look the, good on paper. If the if the Browns <laughs> won ten games this year, now keep in mind they won zero last year and the year before that. Yes. Yeah. What? So let me let me ask that question as a follow up. What's right. the shock number? I tell you the Browns win X number of games, and I keep increasing it by one. At one point, you sit there and go, Six. wow. that's." So if I told you the Browns are going to be 5-11, and 11, you'd be like, I okay. can see that. Yep. But if I told you they were going to be 6-10, and 10, you'd be like, I don't know, uh, man. Yeah, if you tell me they're going to be 8-8, eight and eight, I'd be like, mm, no. I think this team, if it comes together the right way, and I'm not saying it will. I'm saying <laughs> if. I think this team could win 10 games. I do. Hmm. I, what, what am I predicting for them? I'm predicting 6-7 to seven wins. That's my that's my personal prediction. The ten won't shock you, but no, no, eight would shock me. If they go eight and eight, it would shock. If me. they're eight and three after the first eleven games, I would expect a complete meltdown in the back end, but I Probably. would not be shocked. Don't forget that you know Kansas City has a couple of times started off like five or six and zero. Oh. I mean, never, never forget the year they started off ten and zero oh, under under Elvis Gerback. <laughs> they went thirteen and three. They lost three of their last six games and exited in the first game of the playoffs. They had a bye. They played a home game and lost. Yep. Sometimes teams can shock you. They can come out of nowhere and shock you a little bit. And I think that the Browns have that potential. I just don't know that it's going to happen. They're an absolutely fascinating team to look at right now, though. I, you know, so I, I agree. Gordon is not moving at all in my rankings. Um, we wish him the best of luck. If you would like to check out that article, please go to fignutsdfs.com. You will see an article called the Josh, um, geez, I just blanked out his name, Josh Gordon, Gordon. the Josh Gordon conundrum. And uh, it'll talk more about the uh, methodology behind anxiety and why it makes sense that he's taking this step and why now that he's talking about his anxiety and his past trauma, why the marijuana use and why he leaned on it so strongly now makes a lot more sense. Yeah, it's not like he was just bored. Exactly. It's not like anybody you know has anxiety self-medicates with beer. <laughs> you don't know anyone like that. So, you know, I mean, there's... It's... And, and again, I work in the mental health field. I'm around it every single day. I've talked to numerous people who would who classify themselves as addicts of various substances um, it's, there's a common theme there. A lot of self-medication goes on and it definitely sounds like that's what Josh has talked about happening. And now that he's not self-medicating, that's the problem. It's a problem. Everyone's like, well, if you're having a problem with drugs, why don't you just stop using the drugs? That's not how that works. <laughs> no, your body acclimates. Your body is constantly looking for status quo. If it's learned status quo comes every time you smoke or every time you drink or every time you pop that little pill it's going to try and create a situation to make you do it. That's what craving is, is your body sitting there saying, you know what? I brought us down because I figured you were going to get us high tonight. And now we feel like crap. So you better smoke and feel better. Or you better take some, some sort of illicit drug to bring your upper because it, otherwise we're not going to feel right. And right. you'll hear that from addicts. Oh, I stopped drinking to feel good a long time ago. Now I drink just to feel normal. Right. You hear that. You reach that point, folks, reach out for help. And don't call that addiction network BS that's on the TV. I see that guy all the time and I want to throw something well, out. Well, I mean, that guy makes that sound like a vacation. He, well, yeah. There's the, yeah. I just want to say I'm an addict just so I can go there. Yeah. In Malibu? <laughs> yeah. Did you see, uh, last week tonight did an expose on that a couple months ago. Did you see uh, that? Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Don't call a local <laughs> mental health professional. If you see a commercial, it's because you know what it's become. Okay. I'm getting way off topic, but I'll get us back on it. It's become like the 1-800-DENTIST commercials. You can't find a decent dentist, so call this person in Idaho who's going to sit there and go, watch your zip code, and is going to look up a preset. They're going to look in a phone book. They're basically looking at a phone book <laughs> full of doctors that paid them to be in the phone book, and now they're doing with addiction centers. That ain't, that's not, that's yeah. not science. <laughs> so, science. Yeah. But you know what is science? What's science? Well, no, this, that's a complete lie and a ter terrible segue. Our, our rankings is our not, rankings. is sort of not science. 
No, but actually, before we start that, yeah, what do you got? You open a can. I did. There. Oh, we got to talk about this we one got, too. Yeah, I mean, you opened it. I was just gonna sit here and drink it. I have it's anxiety. A new, you know. It's a new beer. Okay, so what you handed me was from Newburgh Brewing. Uh, I don't know where they're out of. Maybe you can enlighten me on that. Um, it's called Nano Boss Pale Ale. It's four point five percent, and it advertises itself as a juicy American pale ale. They are in Newburgh, New York. Where the hell is that? Uh, up from us. <laughs> North? I believe so. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to try this one right now, and then we're going to get right. back to business. We're 20 minutes in. We haven't talked to any football yet. <laughs> well, Deb's happy. Yeah, Deb's always happy. How's that? Ooh. Uh-oh. Maybe. He's thinking about it. This is only, um, what, 4.6%? It comes across as like a session, a really light session. I'm getting a little bit of hops. Yep. Right at the end of the swallow, but it's minor. It's just kind of like uh, reminding me it's a pale ale. Yeah, it's supremely sessionable. Nano Boss has a lighter body that allows it the fresh hop flavors to take center stage. I'm reading this from the can. I'm not just making this up. Oh, I like that. And do this. they ever impress? They impress me. There are bright, juicy, tropical hop notes making Nano Boss a hop lover's dream. I, I like it. Britt likes it. Uh, now, yeah. um, one day. This is going to get a four a month plus. Nice. Uh, like a month or two ago, I was in New York <clears throat> and coming back on the train. Uh, if you're ever in New York City, there is a little beer shop. Um, right in Grand track, Central, right? right near in Grand Central, right near Track Eleven. Um, you can actually get a beer to go. So I actually got one of their beers, and it was it was fla- it was done with the Culinary Institute of New York, like a collaboration with the yeah. Culinary Institute. Yeah, and that's they, unusual. Um, Normally, collaborations added, with other breweries. Um, they added sage to it. There it's was wild, sage man. or rosemary, but it was interesting. I don't know if I drink it again because. You drink it, and then all of a sudden the herb flavor hits you, like on the back end. Oh, see, I like that in food. I don't know if I would like that in a beer. But this place, actually, if you're in New York a lot, they sell mason jars. Okay. So you buy a mason jar, you fill that up with beer, take it on the train, because they have taps. So wait, whoa, whoa. They sell bottles, They sell can, bottle and cans. But they also have They taps. also have beer on tap. So like like, like so Two Roads sold the Growlitos. Remember when they did the yeah. little mason jars full yep. of beer? Yep. So you buy a little mason jar to go. Okay. And when you come back, you you get beer for less. Yeah, because you're not paying for like the container. You're not paying for the jar, right? Wow. So there you go. Right near track 11. Wow. <laughs> I don't think I've ever ventured that way. I'm usually going straight out to the street or heading when for the I subway. Went, when I went in, that was the track I um, got in on. So it was right there when I walked out. Wow. Okay. See, so I, I got normally, it on the way back. <laughs> I don't, see, here, here, here's what's weird for when I go to the city. I always end up on one of the 20s. My... Really? My trains always get off or bored on like track 25, 26, 23, always right in that center area of the terminal. So right. I usually just walk in the door and head straight for, well, first I head straight for a kiosk, but then I see, oh, I'm on track 23. I head straight for the center terminal because I know the 20s are right off of there. So anyway, all right, we're 20 minutes in. We need to we talk are. about our wide receiver. Well, that made Deb happy. That made Deb happy. And, you know, <laughs> um, who knows? Maybe there'll be more to make Deb happy as we go on. Probably All right, not. so I have in front of me the consensus rankings. Myself, Craig, and our good friend Cinch all ranked. I told folks, give me the top 20, because I figured there'd be enough variation that it would go beyond that. I was wrong. We had largely, excuse me, similar numbers. So what I have in front of me is actually a list of the top 23. So there's only three people that we disagreed on, like three people who were not on somebody's list. Right. That's weird. That is weird for us. That's that's very weird for us. So the number one is what most people are talking about as the number one wide route in football. He arrived yeah. at camp earlier today via uh, helicopter. Geez. Craig's good personal friend, <laughs> Antonio Brown of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All three of us have him at number one. Yep. Um, Craig is looking for something to help him open I his beer. I don't have nails. Neither do I. I bite my nails, but I, I have fat little digits that can yeah. get cans open usually. So, but anyway, go on. Uh, yeah. So I was going to throw it to you there, but I'll let you get your beer open first. Um, here's the thing. You can say what you want about Antonio Brown, but I was reading uh, fantasyguru.com today, and he brings up one very solid point. In the last five years, do you know what the lowest position among wide receivers that Antonio Brown has finished in the last five years? The lowest he's finished? His worst wide receiver finish is wide receiver five. He has been the top wide receiver three straight years. And before that, even when he was not the top wide receiver, he was no worse than number five. Yeah, there you go. That'll make you pop a beer. So uh, how can you argue with that? And he does yeah, all no. this with Ben Roethlisberger. No, I mean, statistic-wise, he's amazing. But 
I just, I, me personally, with the amount of drama happening in Pittsburgh, I don't want, I'm not going to draft any for a season long. I am not drafting any Steelers. You're not going to be able to use them in DFS. It's going to be too expensive. Yeah. Week Except for week. maybe like, you know, best ball, sure. Best right. ball. Oh, yeah. Best ball. He's a top five or six pick. I've done a lot of best balls. I did a weird mock the other day. If we have time later, remind me to tell you about the weirdo mock that I did. It was only three of us. It was a 10-team mock, three live people, and then they had to auto-draft the other seven. And by the end of the third round, there was the best running back on the board was like Alex Collins. It was bizarre. <laughs> the computer just grabbed running backs left and right. That happens. And I'm like, I'm looking at my crew, and I'm like, all right, I've got, I ended up with Zeke Elliott, and I ended up nice. with Michael Thomas and A.J. Green. But wow. now I'm looking at my best option at running back with round four was like Deion Lewis. And I'm like, holy crap, where did everybody go? <laughs> and there was a team out there, a computerized team that had drafted four running backs to start the draft. Like, holy crap. That's crazy. Yeah, we'll get to more later. Antonio Brown is a consensus one. I mean, as much as you dislike what's going on, and it, he's wide receiver is a quarterback dependent position, except for Antonio Brown, because he's had Ben Roethlisberger. And when Roethlisberger hasn't been there, he's had, I don't know, fill somebody. In the blank. That other guy, <laughs> hey, you. Um, so And he still produces. So I, I can't argue with it. Now, that being said, am I going to go after him? When do you feel compelled to take Antonio Brown in a redraft league, Craig? When is mm. When do you sit there and go, I can't take someone else? We're agreeing he's the number one wideout, correct? So yeah, you got to go probably. down your running back list. So, all right, so let, let me play pop over. All right. Pop over to our consensus running backs. All right. So, do you take him over Todd Gurley? No. Do you take him over Le'Veon Bell? No. Do you take him over Ezekiel Elliott? No. Do you take him over David Johnson? Mm, Injury-wise, that, that, that's okay, a maybe. 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 I maybe. know the next name is going to be a no. So, Alva, Alvin Kamara. Do you take him over Alvin no. Kamara? Do you take him over Saquon Barkley? Mm, uh, that's a rough one. That's a maybe. Okay. What about Kareem Hunt? Mm, maybe. Okay. So, we're around that so six or seven yeah. pick. Around that yep. six or seven pick is where Craig would go for the absolute lowest on him if you had to. So, I mean, even then, if you want to go running back heavy, you know, you, you got to you draw the line somewhere. So Antonio Brown, number one. Number two um, is Craig's in my number two. Cinch had this gentleman at number three, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, I want to give up on DeAndre Hopkins. He's not to the point where he's my broke back mountain like Frank Gore is, <laughs> but... <laughs> I drafted DeAndre Hopkins in 2016. Did you? Yep. Everything was going to be bright and cheery. Nice. They had a brand new quarterback in town who they later ran out of town back to Denver. What the hell is that guy's name? Who's that guy? Oh, I'm just drawing a blank. But he had a miserable time in 2016. So I said, I'm not going to touch DeAndre Hopkins in 2017. And what did he do? He came out every single game last year. Ready for this? Every single game had at least 50 yards receiving and or a touchdown. Really? Yes. So think about it. In a four-point touchdown passing PPR league, that's a minimum of five or six points every single week. That's the floor is six points. The floor. Now, that's not great, but, I mean, if he catches two for 25 and a touchdown in a full-point PPR, that's eight points. That's better than a lot of the guys in the the, the 20-plus range are going to get you. He's consistent, and his consistency right. was bad. I was not aware of those stats. Yeah, I know. I did. I think. I think. Uh, I think uh, some some of the sites out there I look at, they're like, yeah, you know, it's hard to believe, but yeah, he did this. So he bounces back in 2017. Is this a continuation in 2018 with uh, Deshaun Watson coming back, or was 2017 and 2015 aberrations? Uh, I think this is a continuation. Um, you know, they're not. They're not a. I feel like they're right on the edge of being a really good team. Houston, yeah. 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 They're like, but a lot can go wrong. <laughs> Watson needs to stay healthy. Yes. Watson needs to stay healthy and on the field. He did break his knee. Yeah. Again. Again. So, I While mean. walking near no if, one. <laughs> if Deshaun Watson stays on the field, then this team, not only will they have a great season together, but they should just get better and better as they the should. season progresses. They definitely should. So we have DeAndre Hopkins at number two, and I will not shy away from DeAndre Hopkins. I will not go up for him, but I will not shy away from him. Do you feel he's in the same spot? He's around number six pick for you? Like, well, running backs we just went over? I might take him ahead of Barkley. I might put him as high as five on my list. All right. I might. But you're saying you're not going to take a receiver with your number one pick? More than likely, no. 
But don't forget too. I mean, for the league that I pay the most attention to is our our league, our league. that we've been doing forever. What I refer to as the live league because we force we force owners into a room at gunpoint. You must be <laughs> present to draft in this league. And I mean, there are friends that we. This is their proof of life. If we don't yeah. see them at the draft, they, you know, they may be dead or like the other Craig in an Ecuadorian prison. I yeah, don't we know. have we have two Craigs. We have the Craig that's sitting across from me. We have the other Craig. Who I don't know if he listens to this or not, but if he does, he doesn't hi, even know Craig. what a podcast is. He, you'd be shocked. He might. <laughs> hi, Craig. You might. Um, hi, Craig. It, it, this is how we know he's still alive. Yes. Every, from year to year, there are two or three members in our league that we don't. This is the only time we get to see these guys. Yeah, just, we t- we talked them from like August to what December. Yeah, that's it. And the other Craig is a man of sh- few words. Less than me. Yes, few words. <laughs> I would have him on here. Except he would be like he would be like the color commentator from um, Major League. Ball hit, caught. Exactly. When he's pissed <laughs> off at his team, we get league wide emails like, "My team sucks." No signature. <laughs> no hello. No, I'd like to make a t- a trade. Just three. My team sucks. Yep. Or fire sale. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Remember that? Remember that year? He just. What does that mean? Are you quitting the league? You're willing to make a lot of deals. You're looking to acquire picks. What does that mean? Well, you just send us to the tour. It's fire sale. Yep. So uh, anyway, how do we get on to him? Um, uh, the league and you where you where you're going to pick Hopkins. Oh, okay. So that's where we, I, got we get one keeper in the league. <clears throat> right. We and, do get one keeper in the league. Right. And it's a complex keeper system where it costs you a pick two spots better than when you had them last year. And you can keep them until they enter uh, up through the fifth pick. The fifth right. pick is the top pick you can keep. Yep. I drafted Michael Thomas in the ninth round as a rookie. Yeah, so I last drafted year, Kamara really late. Right. So last year, I kept Michael Thomas for a seven pick. This year, I can keep Michael Thomas one more time for a five pick. That's not bad. And then the cutoff rule kicks in in 2019, and I yep. can't keep him again. No. So unless I've got a Kamara at like 12, when did you draft Kamara? Oh, Lord. It was after 10. Okay, so you can have him for like four or five years because he's going to move up two slots every year until he hits the top five. I can keep Michael Thomas one more time. So I'm absolutely keeping Michael Thomas. Right. I drafted three running backs in the top five last year. Three. So none of them are keepable. No, none. They're all in that, all. that restricted zone. So I've got to keep Michael Thomas. Yep. I've, I've got to keep Michael Thomas. So, um, so yes, I'm keeping wide receiver. So I'm definitely looking at running back. So, But we're not talking about running backs and I'm getting way off topic. So let's back to the wide receiver chat. Our number three is Cinch's number two. Okay. Craig's number three. Yep. And my number four, and that's Odell Beckham Jr. <clears throat> o- uh, Odell is coming back from injury. Um, he is. He is clearly the primary target in the Giants offense. Does the addition of Saquon Barkley that, help or hurt him? Uh, that's a, he's a giant question mark for me because of that. Because now they have a real, they finally have a legitimate running back. Yes. This is going to completely change their game plan. Yes. They're, you know, he's Manning's not going to have to throw as much. Yeah, McAdoo's gone too, so there's yep. a fundamental shift in how the how the uh, Giants are operating. Yep. Um, I think so this I don't is... know. It's going to be, I mean, he's still going to be a top-tier receiver, but the amount of touches he's going to get is up in the air. They're, they're all healthy again. Sterling Shepard is doing well. Brandon Marshall is gone. Um, yep. You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of changes. I don't think, so even when the Giants were a not a pass first team like maybe when Odell was a rookie uh and they were still trying to throw not throw the ball as much he still shined he still had a lot of catches I think he's going to be good the question is is he healthy everything I've seen from the OTAs says he's healthy he is one of the few people who's injured that I am not hesitating due to injury I would draft Odell Beckham Jr. in a heartbeat if I needed a wide receiver and he was out there okay so um, that's my take on OD, uh, OBJ. Number four is the guy who's my number three, Craig's okay. number four, and Cinch is number five, and he averages out to fourth. <laughs> and that is the grand enigma, Julio Jones. What do you do with Julio uh, Jones? He's so, yeah, he's so brittle. Sometimes he doesn't remember how to catch. And there's games he has like 240 yards receiving. And we had this conversation during the offseason too. We did. When you look at... His numbers from 2017. Yeah, there are 40-point games out there. There are 200-plus yard games. But there are also games where he's in the single digits. And you ask yourself, why? 
Well, here's the thing to keep in mind. He never, I think his worst game last year was 50% targets caught. He was three catches out of six targets. The problem is they don't always target him. And I don't know if that's because Julio's not working hard enough to get open or Matt Ryan is progressing because he's got so many other weapons on that team. Yeah. I don't know what it is. But when he's targeted, he produces. But the problem is Atlanta doesn't always target him for nope. reasons that he's are like, with or with or not in his control. Yeah, he's like, you know, double covered and he doesn't get thrown to. Right, right. And I mean, and then that, last year or the year before he hurt his shoulder. Last year was the foot. Or was that the year foot? before? I don't remember. But he played with an injured foot and he had trouble making breaks, things like that. Here's the bottom line. If Julio's on the field and he's healthy, he's going to be good. The problem is, too, he just said he's not going to report to camp. Which was hysterical because right, everyone he wants a new contract. He wants a new contract. He is not the highest paid wide receiver in all the land, and that bothers him. Uh, at least that's the reports is that that bothers him. And people have dug up interviews from like 2015. What when, is it with everyone going back like 20 years in their internet history? Yeah, seriously, that's been really, happening. Not to get off lately. topic, but really, <laughs> yeah, we love you, Sean Gunn and James. <laughs> we love you, Gunn brothers. We love you both. Um. <laughs> But he in 2015, I think he was a rookie, or is his second year? This is going to be his fourth year, isn't it? That, so 2015 will be his rookie year. He made a comment to somebody that he didn't care about contract situations. If you have a job to do, you show up and do your job. Like in an interview, it was like, I don't understand guys who hold out. You have an agreement. You said you would be there. You said you would do this oh, job. Oh dear. <laughs> and now people are like, well, it's it's really interesting how much this, how well this ages, you know. So I don't know what to make of him. He needs. First off, Atlanta's not going to negotiate in a vacuum. They're not going to give no. in to like terrorist demands type things. He's going to have to show up under his current contract. He needs to show up sooner rather than later. He needs to do what Odell is doing and show up and say, okay, I'm here. Pay me or you're yep. going to look really stupid because you were like, we don't negotiate with people who don't come to camp. Okay, well, I came to camp and didn't negotiate with me. You're going to look stupid. Right. And that's if we know anything about the New York Giants... Looking stupid is like <laughs> the Maris family's biggest fear. They would rather go 0-16 and be the pride of the NFL in terms of like doing things the right way than go 16-0. and 0. And so we know that that's the case. There, there's right. no way Odell is going to do these things and not get some sort of reward out of it. Julio needs to kind of look at it the same way. He needs to get in there. It's a second year under Steve Sarkeesian. He needs to get in there. And if he gets in there, he's a top five wideout. If he yep. doesn't, we have a problem. So, all right. Number five is my buddy, Michael Thomas. We don't need to talk about Michael Thomas because I am taking him in nope. all drafts across all formats. <laughs> so Drew anyone, Brees is still throwing the ball. Yep. Anyone listening to this does not need to worry about Michael Thomas because if you're in a league with me, I've already selected him. <laughs> so um, a couple of things about Michael Thomas. Last year was a little bit of a regression in the second year, but don't forget the first year, no one was talking about the rookie Michael Thomas. Well, people were talking about him saying this kid could be really good, but defenses weren't keying on in on him the first couple weeks of the year because there was this guy named Brandon Cooks who was supposedly the future yeah. in New Orleans. He was for a little bit. And every time you double, co double covered Cooks, Michael Thomas was catching the ball. Yep. And Michael Thomas is tall and he is fast and he has no problem going up to get the ball. You know, it seems like he, and last year we found out that when he is the focus of the offense or when the defense considers him to be the focus, yep. he does regress. Mm -hmm. So I think he's going to evolve a lot here in year three. I think he's going to get better. And I definitely think he's worthy of this spot. Um, I th don't forget too, Cameron Meredith is there now. He has not been cleared to play as far as I know, but he tends to be before opening day. He's going to be reporting to camp and doing all the right stuff. So Craig, you're the New Orleans Saints. You've got Michael Thomas. You've got Cameron Meredith. They're both in camp. Where is your offense focusing? Are you focusing on Alvin Kamara? Out. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where is your passing game focused? Alvin Kamara. Okay. Where is your passing game focused on non-screens? Uh, that would be Michael Thomas. <laughs> if you say Alvin Kamara one more, I'm I like, thought about it. I'm gonna get to the Just point where I'm gonna like Kamara on a streak. <laughs> if you're if you're the New Orleans Saints and you need to throw the ball to a guy wearing an eighty something number, <laughs> I guess Michael Thomas. I guess Michael Thomas. I think I, you, you bring up a great point. That's part of the blessing and curse of the New Orleans Saints offense is when Alvin Kamara or and for that case Mark Ingram roll out and look like they're running a screen route. 
You, what do you do? You, do you have cover? to keep a linebacker up. You yeah. have to. You don't have a choice. I mean, you could not cover them, and then you have there's to. 20 yards. I've I've heard I heard one guy say the best way to counter when you think a screenplay is coming is to run a delayed blitz to the side you think it's coming with a linebacker because if the if the running back rolls out that way and the linebacker is hesitating an outside linebacker is hesitating before starting the blitz right. that gives him the split second to make the decision to go into the backfield and cover that guy yep so if you can somehow force pressure with one less guy and get that guy out. Outside linebackers are usually pretty quick. If he can step in front of that guy who's the dump off, and it's not a crisp pass, that's six the other way. Yep. That outside linebacker is going to pick off that pass and go the other way. But can you get that kind of pressure? Or can you know? And, and and if you don't pull it off, now the the running back catches the ball and is alone in space. So it's a tricky thing to defend. But I think they're going to use they're going to use Cameron Meredith across the middle a lot like they they didn't in Chicago. I think he is going to force them to reconsider how Michael Thomas is covered, and I think Michael Thomas is going to benefit from it. That's my gut feeling. So number six on our list that was number five, right? One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Yep. I got to put numbers next to these next time. Number six on our list is Craig's friend AJ Green. AJ Green was a victim of Dalton's worst year statistically. Yes. He had the worst yards per carry. And I'm looking at my notes now and realize I wrote the word yads instead of yards. This is <laughs> what happens way. when you're rushing through you, research. You, you know what you mean. That's all that matters. You get what my meanings are. Um, can Does the improved line help here? The, I think so. Why, so you I being think the, the Cincinnati the expert, tell us about this. The improved offensive line is going to help them overall. Now, I'm not going to say that is going to help them not make mistakes because right. they have a history of making mistakes. But as far as the passing and running game goes, I think they're in a much better spot than they were last year. Okay. Okay. I, that makes sense to me. I think I think the offensive line improvements are a big deal. By the way, quick aside. Yeah. I'm listening to uh, Guru in the Morning on Sirius XM this week, and he, okay. did a, he had a special co-host in Charlie Weiss. <laughs> I think you know where this is going because I think I tweeted oh, you, I texted boy. you about this. He did. And this guy, they take a call from a Giants fan who is excited about all the changes and the addition of Saquon Barkley, talks about how much he loves Charlie Weiss, loves that a former coach is on here talking about fantasy football, loves that all the innovation he brought to all the teams, is really respectful to him, but has concerns because the New York Giants haven't done enough to increase their or improve their offensive line. So he wanted to he wanted to know is this a mistake that the Giants have put all this emphasis on offense without doing anything on the offensive line? And Charlie Weiss took a deep breath after getting his butt thoroughly kissed and responded, "That's just garbage that they haven't fixed their offensive line." And then listed like three guys that are there now that weren't there last year. And I'm just like, <laughs> "Wow. How freaking gracious are you that that's your response? I understand you are an amazing coach." Yeah, I think he's he's just an ass. You know, I think I think him being around Belichick, he's trying to like be like him, and it doesn't work. That whole tree lacks the social graces. Bill Parcells was rough with people. Bill Belichick has always been short to avoid being rough with people. Yep. And now you get Charlie Weiss in front of a microphone, and this guy is like, "Charlie, you are an amazing coach. I'm worried about the Giants." And he's like, "You're an idiot. Don't worry about the Giants." I'm a genius. Listen to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Belichick aside. is good at it because he's just like, yeah, no. Next question. Well, that's the thing. Bel- he just doesn't answer. He's just like, no. You know, in his mind, he's saying terrible things oh, about yeah, that person. Of course. You know, when he's answering questions about particular people, hey, Tom Brady said in the media today that he may only play three more years if you're still here. What do you feel about that? And he's sitting there going, well, I can't control players. Yeah, let's, just, yeah, let's just move yeah, on to the yeah, next yeah, thing. Yeah. I'm focused. In his mind, he's saying, what the frick do you think I feel about it? <laughs> I, I basically made this dude's career, and now he just put the knife in my back. He even initialed the knife. Look at the knife <laughs> in my back. It's got TB on it. That's how I freaking feel. You Next know that, question. Yeah, but he just, he hand, he, I think he recognizes that he has to be very careful with the media because of the yeah. type of personality he has. Guys like Bill Parcells and Charlie Weiss, they don't care. You no. Go ahead and kiss my butt, and I'll tell you you're an idiot. So. Yep. All right, anyway, back to uh, business. So we talked about AJ Green. Number eight, uh, number seven. On my list is Keenan Allen. Um, Cinch had him slightly higher than the two of us. <sighs> Keenan Allen, I don't know. And here's why I don't know. He was stellar the second half of last year. He was. So I went back and I looked at the game logs. In the first nine games, he was under 11 points six of the first nine games. Really? 
Yes. Sometimes single digits. Okay. In those last seven games, he was over 11 points six times. Damn. Out of seven games. And the one game he was under, he was at like 10.4. He, he, his second half was epic. Epically amazing. He had a couple single point efforts. Then he had like an 11 point effort. And then he went off. Okay. He went absolutely off. Is this the Keenan Allen pattern? Is he going to have another slow start? Are the Chargers going to struggle out the gate? Or is this just kind of like, hey, they hit their stride and it's just going to continue into 2018? What do you look for in Keenan Allen right now? Uh, same thing. He's He has a lot of potential. <clears throat> Excuse me. The uh, the Chargers in general have a lot of potential. Yeah. And there's a lot there. It's, it's like the Browns. It's like they're really good on paper and then something... Injuries like have plagued stupid them. Stupid happens or injuries happen, and then you're, you know. Melvin Gordon just completed his first full season. Keenan Allen's had injuries in the past, too. They got to stay healthy. They got to stay healthy. And they've already yeah. had that problem because Hunter Henry's done for the year. Is he? Yes. Oh, we had this conversation two weeks we ago. Did. We did. We did. We did. It's the beer running to you. I head. know. But, right. but, you know, don't worry. Okay. Because they are talking to the savior of the organization. Des there, Bryant. There is a man... <laughs> <laughs> who can walk through that door right now and save the Chargers from themselves. Antonio Gates. And his name is Antonio Gates. <laughs> and the word on the street is that they are talking, is that Gates will come back, but Gates wants to play, and Gates wants to be involved in the offense as much as he can be. And he felt like last year they forced him the ball until he got his touchdown record, and then they were kind of like, all right, you go ahead and block. We're going to try and train this Hunter Henry guy up. Yeah. And he doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He still He still thinks he can play. And he still wants to play, but he only wants to play for San Diego and only if he's necessary. I don't blame him. Yeah, can you blame him? I mean, seriously. All right, number eight is uh, Devontae Adams in Green Bay. No yep. more Jordy Nelson. No more Jordy Nelson. Yes, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is back. New tight end. I have him pretty high. Uh, Cinch has him pretty low, and you're in between. Here's the thing. He ended up last year as wide receiver 11, despite the fact that the best quarterback in the league was not Aaron Rodgers because he was broken because he was dead. Um, So, I mean, that that's pretty I mean, that's pretty that's pretty. um, Let me try that again. That's That's pretty. pretty That's pretty important. That's pretty. (laughs) I've only had I'm not even a fully through my beer. Okay, let me try that again. Here comes the clapper. There you go. Okay. The fact that he was wide receiver 11 while his quarterback was injured majority of last season is yep. pretty impressive because he was, everyone knew that as long as Rodgers and Nelson were together, they were going to focus on Jordy Nelson, right. that they had this simpatico. And even still, he was still highly rated in the offense last year. And then Rodgers goes out and he still manages to produce yep. with backup quarterbacks that seem to be on a carousel. It was bad. It was not good quarterback play in Green Bay last year. They missed the playoffs because of it. And yet here he is again on the top of the list. I think that's noteworthy. It is. Well, that sounded a lot better after I hit that reset, didn't it? That actually made a little bit of sense. It did. Good job. That actually made a bit of sense. And here's the thing. Last year saw better than 33% of the red zone targets, even with um, Rodgers being out. So if he's the red zone option. Yeah. you got And Rodgers is back. So Right. Number nine is Craig's favorite player, Doug Baldwin. Yeah, I was, I was really Cinch happy. has him higher than both of us, but we both have him around this rank. <laughs> People are saying he's going to have a big re- big uh, rebound. Over the last three years, if you take the last three years as one gigantic season, he has wide receiver number 12, which playing for that offense is kind of interesting to me. But there are question marks around him. Brandon Marshall is there, but there's rumors that Brandon Marshall might not even make the team. Tyler Lockett has always been this guy that might be really good. And has Sometimes. the occasional game. Depends yeah. on the week. Tyler Lockett's a great best baller DFS guy. Seriously, if you get him on the right week, he's fantastic. But is Doug Baldwin going to have the consistency to be a top 10 wide receiver this year? Uh, I am never drafting Doug Baldwin again. Wow. See, I, I said that last year it. about DeAndre Hopkins, and he burned I me. can't do it. He burned me. <laughs> again, because it goes with, um, it just goes with their offensive style. It's yeah. The same, in, same thing in Carolina. Mm-hmm. You know, he's Russell Wilson, you know, he's going to look for passing, but if he doesn't see it like within five seconds, he's going to run. Mm-hmm. So that really affects the receiver numbers. That makes sense. And, you know, and attempts and such. So, yeah. Number 10 is a guy I have zero faith in. You refuse to draft Doug Baldwin. Yep. I refuse to draft Mike Evans. Okay. He led Tampa Bay in targets. Well, someone has to catch in Tampa Bay. Well, someone has to try to catch in Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Targets does not. Tampa Bay was good. Tar- yeah, yeah. 
targets do not automatically equal receptions. And that's the thing that people have forgotten. And I can't remember where I heard it. I think it was a British comedy who said, <laughs> never forget that the king of the monkeys is still a monkey. Hmm, Don't forget deep. the best wide that's receiver deep. in Tampa Bay is still in Tampa Bay. Right. With, that's how I feel about Josh Gordon in Cleveland. Right. With, 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 and with Jameis Winston scheduled to miss time and the struggles that Mike Evans had last year. Yeah, he's going to miss, what, four games? Yes. And, and and here's the thing. You know who's stepping up to take the place? You know who number two on the depth chart is? Who? The new quarterback, the, the recipient of Brit's new <laughs> Bernie Kosar Vulture Job <laughs> Award, Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's in Tampa Bay? Yes. This guy. I thought he was still in Buffalo. No. He left? Yes. Oh. Well, he was in the Jets for a while, remember? He was, and he was a Bengal for a while. Right. This guy smells injury like I smell He's a barbecue. Yep. Yes. He can smell QBs getting ready to miss time for whatever and he just reason. shows up. And then he just shows up. And, that, and it's the Bernie Kosar Award because don't forget, after Bernie left Cleveland, he bounced around as a backup a lot of places. And he walked away with, I think, two or three championship rings. He backed up Aikman one or two years. Um, I think he was a backup in... Oh God, he might have been. A bet. He was in New York. He was somewhere else that that made a Super Bowl appearances. I mean, Bernie Kosar has taken a total of like three snaps in Super Bowls and has rings for them because <laughs> he was he was kneeled it out. He kneeled it out in in the years when um, Jimmy Johnson and uh, Dallas were on the roll. They're in the Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, uh, Troy Aikman oh, era. Right. He was there. He got a ring for holding a clipboard and telling Troy Aikman he was a good boy. <laughs> He got a ring for that. He so did. He was the vulture. I used to call him the ring vulture. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick hasn't won any rings, but he finds starting jobs at a pace that is staggering. <laughs> staggering. Yeah, you got to be good at what you do. He yeah. started in Cincy, right? Right. Who got hurt in Cincy? Was that was that when Carson was there? Uh, or right or before he left. But he started when um, Dalton hurt his hand. Ended up being the starter there. Goes to Buffalo. He was on the Jets. But the Jets were after Buffalo. Right. Goes to Buffalo. Was it Tyrod? Somebody got hurt in Buffalo. I don't even remember it. That's how memorable it was. Ends up the starter in Buffalo. And the Jets are, well, the Jets. Right. The Jets bring him in as the preemptive starter. No, yep. they didn't. They brought him in as the backup and somebody got hurt. It wasn't Sanchez. It was after Sanchez. Somebody got hurt there and ended up starting for the Jets and then demanded a contract because he had one good year with the Jets. <laughs> he started nine games and went like seven and two. And all of a sudden he was like, I need money. So then they signed him as a starter and that didn't work out. Right. And now he magically surfaces in Tampa Bay. Our friend Keith gave me a trivia question the other day. And I can't remember the exact question, but it was something like there are seven quarterbacks that are active in the NFL now who have started a minimum of eight games for each of the last five seasons. And I was like, that's that's it. There's only seven guys active now who played at least eight games each of the last five seasons. So okay. I was like, well, obviously one of them was Eli. That was the easy one to get. I got right. that one right away. I'm like, I think Matt Ryan was one of them. But the one I couldn't get was Ryan Fitzpatrick because he's never the starter anywhere, but somebody <laughs> gets hurt in the first four weeks and, and he, he ends up playing up. eight games. Yep, He's like... He seriously like walks out of the crowd like a quarterback goes down and starts holding his knee and he looks at the guy next to him and goes, hold my beer. And he's out in the field five minutes later. <laughs> it's some sort of magical power. But he is the solution for the Jameis Winston suspension. They're yeah. going to start Ryan Fitzpatrick a minimum of four games this year. And maybe more. What but, if they win all four of those games? You keep him in. No, you don't keep him in. No, you send him back with his clipboard. That's what he's there for. Well, maybe not, because if he has this mystical power, maybe that's a death sentence for Jameis Winston. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Winston breaks his leg in the third play of his first game back, and Ryan Fitzpatrick's telling the guy next to him in the stands, hold my beer. It's possible. I don't know. I don't know, but I my whole point on this rant was this does not bode well for Mike Evans. None right. of this bodes well for Mike Evans. It never does. Never does. So I am not high on Mike Evans. That's our top 10. And believe it or not, because of my rambling side things on things like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Charlie Weiss, we are out of time. (laughs) So what we will have to do is we will call it here. And the next time you hear from us, we will be discussing the next 10 or so wideouts. It was just, there was, it it was partly distraction. I'll apologize for that if you don't like the distraction in our podcast, but there's a lot to talk about with these guys. There's a lot of questions around them. There is, you know, and so I'll end with this. Craig, you have the list in front of you? Uh, I can put it back in front of me. Okay. Okay. 
So really quick, our top 10 starting with number one is Antonio Brown, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, A.J. Green, Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Doug Baldwin, and Mike Evans. Right. Where is the cliff? Not the end of tier one, but the, oh my God, I can't believe that's the next guy down cliff for you. Out of those guys? Yes. Or like someone we haven't mentioned? No. Going down those top 10, where is the first cliff for you? Hmm. Um. Probably Baldwin. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I mean, the top eight are all very similar. I mean, there's a gap between after Julio to Michael Thomas. That's a tier ending to me. Yep. But then I'm Michael Thomas. I'm okay with AJ Green. I'm okay with Keenan Allen. I'm okay with Devonte Adams. I'm okay with Doug Baldwin. Mike Evans. That's like, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm looking tight end. I mean, you know, so, yep. I mean, that's really where the first cliff, cliff is. So, all right. So we will wrap it up here and we will come back with wide receiver section number two uh, as soon as possible. Um, final thoughts. Uh, final thoughts. Um, this past week, uh, surprisingly uh, and shockingly, uh, Tony Soprano passed away. Yes. Not Soprano. He, uh, he, he started his career uh not too far from us. Sperano. Sperano. Tony Soprano is a fictional right, character. Yeah. No, yes. He he started, he was a head coach at University of New Haven, was he not? Uh, Yeah. And he was the guy, wasn't he, he was, the guy? My, uh, actually, my history teacher in high school was the uh, defensive back coach for him. No kidding. Yep. Now, wasn't he the guy who, who invented the Wildcat, essentially? He did. He when did. He, Miami, he, right? he had Miami, he brought it to Miami, and he won 11 games. Yes, because no one knew how to defend it. They're like, what the hell? They just hiked the ball to a running back. Yeah. I don't know what to do. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then when they started to figure out, okay, that running back may be in a position to get the ball hiked, they started doing flea flickers where the, the running back would catch the ball and throw it to the quarterback. And he yeah. oh, now what the hell to do? It was, it was tricky. And yes, when it got figured out, it was not very effective. But was it innovative? Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, it came out of yeah. nowhere. And it made Miami no one knew relevant. How to defend it, really. Yeah, and it made Miami relevant for a brief period of time. And I made think they won more. the division that year too. <sighs> they might have. They might have, or they at least made it to the playoffs that year. So, yes, rest in peace, Tony Sperano. Sperano, um, yes, yeah, Sperano. Yeah, beer. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, that'll be my final thought as well. We'll we'll go with God with him. So, um, so we will be back uh, ASAP with the second half of the wide receivers. Until then, I am Britt. I'm Craig. And we are the Football Fig Nuts Podcast. Have a great week, everybody. Mm-hmm.